Call me soon, call me late, call me I'll be your irate. Call me when you want me and I'll come running home. Call me up on the phone when you'd rather not be alone. Call me when you want me and I'll come running home. Call me when you want me and I'll come running home. Call me soon, call me late, call me up be your irate. Call me when you want me and I'll come running home. Call me up on the phone when you'd rather not be alone. Call me when you want me and I'll come running home. Call me when you want me and I'll come running home. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 49 of the Harmonics Podcast. Woo-hoo. We got a really good group here today. Big group. Big group. Um, this is officially our brand management, whatever you want to call us, team. Oh, crud. This is the whole team. Yeah. There are six of us now. It's no longer Drake and Aaron and myself. As you already know, we've got Fish McGill, who's been Hello. joining us for the last couple podcasts. Uh, Christine has not had the pleasure of joining us, and she is today. This is Christine. Hey, guys. Um, we've got Drake. Yep. We've got Aaron. Woohoo! And our newest member oh who just started two days ago. Oh my god. Uh, she is the new community manager for Dance Central 2. Her name is Annette Gonzalez. Yes. What is up? So Annette joins us from Game Informer. Um, venerated magazine. Venerable? Venerable? I don't know. Venerated. <laughs> you can say venerated, right? Hyperventilating. John Venerable. I don't know. Nick is my grammar coach. Okay. <laughs> Google it, Nick. Coach. Google venerated and then edit it in post if it's not a word. Uh, Nick joined us last week. I hope you enjoyed that talking about beer. He's actually in another room today, so we can't really have much of a back and forth. Mm-hmm. Sorry, gang. Sorry. So um, Annette's here, though. Yeah, let's talk about Annette. Yeah. Annette Enough who, about Nick. Who is yeah. she really? <laughs> Nick, he had his even time. in the room. Who is she really? <laughs> who are you really, Annette? That's actually in the notes. Um, who are you really? Spoilers, so we use I notes. I am a human. Um, <laughs> good, good start. So, no, I uh, used to work at Game Informer. So I am now in Boston, came all the way from Minnesota. You're what welcome. was that like? Yeah. Like, So you're from <laughs> Chicago originally, right? Woo! Woo! Yes, and, I am. And someone contacted you at some point and said, you've got this awesome job, you need to move to Minnesota. Yeah, that was, um, <laughs> I mean, I was really excited about the job, so I was like, screw it, I don't care, you know, I'll go and, and I'll go to Minnesota. When right? you had already been living in Illinois, but not in Chicago. Yeah, You've been so, living in the, the rural Midwest. Yeah, I live like three hours south of Chicago for oh, college in yes. uh, Champaign, Illinois. Woo. So because I had that experience, I guess going to Minnesota wasn't as much of a change, um, but it, I mean, it's a cool place. You know, Minnesota's rural, awesome. rural Minnesota, been. lots of you know. I just imagine cool. it's very cold. It is very cold. Huh. Um, so that was winter was terrible. Um, consistently, not like Boston at all. <laughs> no. Actually, I hear it's not as cold here. It isn't as cold here. So it, it is as like random and brutal here in the winter, but it's not due to cold. It's no. like random rainstorms during snowstorms during sadness, which is like the Midwest. Yeah, it's just anything. The people out here are soft. It's fine. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not too worried about the winter here. But, um, yeah. I mean, it wasn't too bad. Like, you know, got used to the cities. I mean, it wasn't that terrible. Got to go out into the, like, rural areas and go camping and stuff and go to all of the lakes because there's so many out there. All 10,000 lakes? All of the lakes. So many lakes. So many Orlando lakes. lakes. Did you go to Lake Minnetonka ever? <laughs> no, I didn't. You know, for the song. Yes. 
One but... of the things that boggles my mind is that you live in the Midwest growing up. I, I am also from Chicago. And Woo! You, you, thank you, Eric. <laughs> That's what I do every time. I don't know why. The, and then you went to Minnesota, and you lived in, like, South Illinois, and at no point did you have a car. Nope. Like, the Midwest, for our for our friends who don't live in major metropolitan areas, like, you drive everywhere in the Midwest, and you, you work tra- public transportation like, whoa. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. But I would get, to, I would read tweets from you that's like, just ran four blocks in sweatpants to catch a bus that was driving away in the snow. And I'd be like, this is not a hospitable environment for yeah. public transportation. Minnesota was not a great place for public transportation. Like, Chicago had really great public transportation. Mm-hmm. I lived, like, right inside the city. Big up so, to the CTA. Yeah. My dad worked for the CTA for 32 years. What? Oh, oh dad. So yeah. don't bash This is the stuff I wanted yeah, to so get into in this talk This is the nitty gritty. Investigative journalism. I, I do like how you are totally pro Annette's affinity for public transportation, but could not hate on me anymore for my dependence on public transportation. <laughs> what do you mean, when you're moving now? Well, no, I mean, just, just the fact general. that I don't have a car or a no, license. No, I have no problem with you not having a car. I have a problem with you not having a driver's license. <laughs> That's a different what? thing. I don't think you need to own a motor vehicle to be an adult, but I do think you need to, to know how to operate a motor vehicle. <laughs> I know how to operate a do motor you? vehicle. Do you? Then why don't you go check the test? I'm just not legally licensed well, But that's asinine. Go get don't get yeah. Why do I need Keep to? Going to the airport with this weird identification card, and they're it's like, "It's called a passport." Is... I know, but you shouldn't carry your passport <laughs> well, all the time. But why do you oh. have to have your passport? Because so you I can just still have your under twenty one license. license. I still have my under twenty one. What I need to do is <laughs> <laughs> I, need I need to get a ID new card. Massachusetts ID. Is what I need. No, the last one no. I had is like eight years. That's like getting a Disneyland pass for the day, though. It's like an imaginary piece of paper. Disneyland pass. So then, are you in favor of the national ID program? Oh yeah, I'll chip air like this. I'll chip you like whoa. Just learn how to drive. That's all I'm saying. I know how to drive. Do you? Then why don't you get a do. license? Because I don't need a license. I don't have a car. Legally, you need a license. You might you need to drive. drive. If I, legally, yes. But I also did happen to drive back here from uh, when I lived in Chicago with Sarah for a year. You mean you rode with Sarah while she drove? No, I drove. And that's illegally. dad is going to report Illegally. <laughs> that's stupid. What if you got pulled over? Well, they can't take his license away. He doesn't have one. <laughs> what I had was, at the time, I had a permit. Did not know until I got back that it was how, expired. How old were you? I was 24. <laughs> I was 24. It was like last week. Driving on an expired permit from Chicago. From well, what the mid 90s at this point? Like, Jesus. no, no, it was a, it was a more recent. It'll last I, for a lifetime. I, I'm maybe digging myself deeper, but I've gotten. I've gotten three different years permits. Oh so what you're really so saying? No, hold on. Stop. Stop. You're a quitter, is what you're saying. No, I'm you not. Have, you have started I'm the process. I'm clearly not a quitter because I've gone back multiple times. <laughs> then, oh, you're a failure. Oh yes, okay, a repeated sorry. failure. failure. Yeah. Never failed to get my driver's license. I've just never tried. <laughs> you can't fail if you don't try. It's true. Guys, I'm a not trier. Don't be like you're Eric. Not <laughs> Everyone try. Oh, man. Well, you're a principled man, though, right? Like, before you joined Harmonix, you, by principle, you didn't play video games, right? No. no well, you didn't play modern video games. That's well, true. That's no, true. Again, Don't again, not by it. principle. Like, it wasn't it by wasn't principle. It wasn't a principle thing. It was just No, just it was care. just like I did not care. Like, I was not big into video. Gotcha. Like, I came in, like, not willfully ignorant, but came in, like, for the QA position. And I was like, I own an N64. That's take it or leave it. And they were like, we will leave it. Thank you. <laughs> you, you should, you. You should apply leave. for a different position. And I did. And then we hired you because our standards well. at the time were. True. <laughs> That's the story of how I started at Harmonix. Yes. yes. What about Annette? So, Annette, is, you it, start? What, is your dad like a train operator or is he. No, is he, he drove the buses. 
Horses. Yes. So he dealt with a lot of crazy people at like two in the morning. Oh my god. Getting on the seen, bus and giving uh, him crap. Bronx Tale. Where Robert De Niro's a bus driver. I love that movie. I like to yeah, imagine. Required oh, I have not yeah. seen that. I've not oh, seen that it's good. either. Oh, Chaz really? Palminteri. Yeah. I saw him do it. Uh, he did a live sell. Broadway version of it. Right. Did just he Chaz Palminteri. Just driving a bus? I think, no. Did Chaz Palminteri <laughs> write Broadway? it? Yeah, it was about yeah. his yeah. life. Hold, stop the bus. <laughs> Chaz Palminteri was a bus driver? No. No, no. Chaz Palminteri's dad was about growing up in the Bronx in the 60s. Excuse me, like the head. I can't believe you haven't seen it's that It's really movie. good. I like it's it. Really good. It's, it's good. good. All right, everyone go see it's this awesome. movie. I'll watch it and we'll have a I'll chat. I'll watch it. it. We'll talk about it. Remember when we met Chaz Palminteri at, uh, at Sundance? That was awkward. That was awesome. That was awkward Was he intimidating? Awesome. He, he was like a super, super intense dude. Uh, we, were, uh, we were in this like weird little like converted rock band lounge hangout area, and, uh, and he was holding a cigar for the entire time that he was there and was not smoking it, but just held it in his hand and gestured with it everywhere. It was. It was almost like he was going to stab us in the chest. With it. <laughs> yeah, like thumping air in the forceful. chest, like I'll play rock band with you and this cigar. <laughs> it's awesome. It was awesome. It was terrifying. It was really cool. He's, he's on my list of awesome. best that guys around. Oh, yeah. he's totally he's that, that guy. guy. He's always good on the Simpsons. Richard Jenkins and was he playing the Simpsons? Who else? One of the mob guys, right? No, that's no? Danny Aiello. That's Danny. No, no, no. no. You're thinking Think of Joe, Joe Montana. I always yeah. confuse Chaz and Montana. Montana's got the awesome goatee now. Sorry, Chaz. Sorry, Danny. Well, Danny I wasn't. Ayala. I wasn't thinking of Danny. Ayala. Danny Ayala is not he's Italian. unmistakable. I was sorry for Danny. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking. Of, no, I'm thinking of Danny Trejo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, are you pretty sure he's <laughs> those two should do a buddy cop movie. Danny Aiello and Danny Trejo. I would watch amazing. Trejo. 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 That guy kind of looks like a combination of both of them. This has gone oh, off the rails man. so quickly. So who is Annette really? Yeah, who are you really? Oh, man. Um, so, <laughs> let's bring it back. All right, so we're taking Informer, moved here, community manager. That's that is who I am. That is how I identify. It's storytelling. So, cool. She doesn't have a place to live. I don't have a place to live. That hopefully will be settled by the time So you're currently, airs. like, staying in an hourly flop house, right? No, that was last <laughs> week. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's been a fun... It's been an adventure. I've been happy <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, it's been it's been a good time. And good it's been like mobile. a heat wave in Boston. Yeah. Which is, yeah, and you don't have AC in your place, right? No, that's right. It's, it's not fun. It's the worst. It's it's, it's really hot. Um, I don't like heat. That's something else you can know about me. Being hot sucks. It does. Being cold sucks. I'm glad you're playing a game where you get to sit still and not do anything. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm really I'm excited about that. Game. No, but I really love Dance Central. Big fan of the franchise. Play that. You reviewed it for Game Informer. I reviewed Informer. it for Game Informer. That's how we knew you liked it. Yeah. Because <laughs> you didn't like any other <laughs> I didn't. I, um, I played a lot of Kinect games at Game Informer, and that was kind of my beat for a while. So Dance Central was like the first Kinect game that I played for review and just set a really high bar, so everything by default just kind of sucks anyway. <laughs> well, we came out with, we, I, I mean, I met it a few times at that point, but we came out with Marcos, one of our choreographers, MEA5678 on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I gotta do what Chanel does, I feel like I'm obligated <laughs> to plug him. Uh, and Chanel, Cassin, what's, what's she on? Miss5678. Miss5678 on Twitter. She's our hype, our hype man, I decided. <laughs> uh, so it was Chanel, it was, uh, not Chanel, it was uh, Marcos and Cassin and I went out there and played and we got there, and we were also showing Rock Band 3 at the same time. Yeah. So we played Rock Band 3 with, like, every dude editor at Game Informer. And they were all in the room, and I didn't know who was going to dance with Marcos. And they were, like, taking notes about, like, break it down. And they were, like, paying attention. And I was like, the hell's going to review this game? Like, none of you look like you're, like, they're interested in the game of it, but they weren't really interested in, like, 
dancing. Matt Miller danced a little bit, who'd done a bunch of our music games in the past, like Beatles Rock Band for review. Mm-hmm. And then Annette came in, and Annette seemed super psyched and was really good at dancing, and Marcos was, was really happy. Was it in, like, a Western game when, or in, like, a Western movie when people are like, so who's going to duel this guy? And the crowd kind of pops. <laughs> yeah. And then and like, the camera the like, like one shots around, like different faces. Everyone looks really nervous. <laughs> yeah. Beads of sweat. Yeah. Just, yeah. The bartender ducks behind the bar. <laughs> tumbleweed. And then I came in after the tumbleweed yeah. rolled in. And just shot one of the, the game. <laughs> that was a shot weird. Shot Miller. In. Yeah, shot, shot Matt Miller in the face. And Unnecessary. Yeah. Well, I got to meet Paul McCartney. So we went to <laughs> So what was your time at Game Informer like? You must have gotten to do a lot of cool stuff. Like, People are always flying around to different studios and meeting a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it was a really good time. I, I got a lot of experience there just like going to different you know, studios, doing a lot of traveling, going to a lot of conventions where I got to like meet a lot of new people. Um, so that was like, a lot of fun, just doing a lot of really cool previews and just seeing games you know, through development, which is always nice. Um, of all kinds of different genres, and like I pretty much like every genre. Lately, I've been playing a lot of downloadable games because they're shorter and more manageable. Um, but yeah, I mean, but Dance Central though, it's like the game I always end up popping in, and I'm not saying that because I work here. This is like, now you're saying it because you work. Well, now I guess yes. I work here, so I, like yeah, they're they're not you know giving me any extra bumps in my pay to say any of this stuff. No, we're not. <laughs> it's my job. No, we are. But not. Um, but definitely like yeah, I, I played it at least like even twice a week just for fitness, even so. In DC2, you've been hanging out with DC2, which is good. Yep. You're going to have a good time. It's a good time. It's a good time's mobile. Yes. I've heard it's a good time's mobile. Dumbest quote. It's the greatest quote we've talked What was your favorite game you got to hang out with non-DC while you were at Game Informer? Um... Hmm. One that's come out. Don't scoop any. Yeah, I'm trying to think carefully. Um, Don't Borderlands two this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Favorite game. Let's see. I had a lot of fun with Bayonetta. It was like a game I got. I did to not review expect you to say that early on. Yeah, it's just like this whole weird. You know, a lot of people with the whole feminism thing. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. So there's that. There's so, many, so many things there, but yeah, I had a lot of fun with that game. It was just kind of like goofy and ridiculous. And Yeah. When you oversaw the community game. community bloggers at, at Game Informer 2, so you had a sort of a community management edge to your yes. journalism. So if any of you are listening, hi. Thank you for listening. I miss you. Um, yeah, so oh. I definitely... You didn't die. You're oh. like, I mean, no, you're they, still they, speaking is, from like, beyond the grave <laughs> All of the blog posts are just like, she's gone. Oh. It's like, I'm not dead. They like, turned off all the tools. No one can post blogs anymore, and it's gone. Like, nothing, like nothing's going to stop all happening. I'm not dead. Yeah, just, just, just like, just talking about me as, like, someone who's departed from this earth. I'm like, no, no, no. No, you're just working I, on this. I'm just working on Quick cool tangent. Stuff. Um, As if we have a main yeah. thread. Think, well, yeah. <laughs> Better call that out beforehand. Yeah. Don't Sorry for this tangent. <laughs> Try to follow along. Um, John, I wanted to get your thoughts. You, uh, you mentioned the Borderlands 2 thing. So yeah. This is topical, even though it won't be topical when this podcast, <laughs> when this podcast comes out. But yeah. uh, So there's sort of an uproar right now. There, there's uh, oh, the, the, the quick summary is um, Eurogamer... Somehow found out that Borderlands 2 was happening. Interview or called up, emailed, whatever. Contacted Randy Pitch Pritchard. Pritchard? Pitchford. Pitchford. Pitchford, yeah. Pitchford. Not Pritchard? No. It's Pitch something. Pitchford. Pitchford, yeah. 
Pitchfork. Pitchfork. Randy Pitchfork. So I have editors on staff. I don't know anyone's name. I said, Randy Pressure! <laughs> and I see him. And I high-five him. And so... Jim Brake! He told the guys, like, oh, we're not confirming anything about a Borderlands 2. Mm-hmm. It's cool that people are interested. We love Borderlands. Yeah, same interview he's given multiple times. Sure. Um, and then, so it was revealed yeah. that... Not to bring you into this, well, but it was revealed mm-hmm. that Game Informer had uh, an exclusive cover... Of Borderlands 2, and yep. so Pitchford on his Twitter was saying, this sucks, shoddy journalism basically ruined the reveal. Yeah, well, so I don't, I, I've only dug into it a little bit, because someone tweeted at me this morning, uh, one of our former co-workers tweeted mm-hmm. at me this morning, about how he likes that I don't freak out when things leak, and I was like, I don't publicly freak out when things <laughs> leak. I break things when things leak. Uh, the uh, but and he and I, I actually was looking at one thing, which is like, I don't know when that issue was going to street. I'm guessing it's this month. Um, but maybe yeah. not, because I thought that was that new game that they were talking about, but I guess they came out last month. For mm-hmm. Game Informer, only because they are now saying they're showing it at Gamescom and at PAX, uh-huh. uh, Borderlands 2. And from my mind, it's similar to when the, uh, what was the other game that leaked, and then they were, oh, when Modern Warfare 3 leaked. Mm-hmm. And I do think that it went out early. Like, I don't think that, that it was, like, a planned date of reveal. I think it went out, like, a couple days early. But, like, they then had, like, a polished gameplay trailer two days later. And so I was a little, like, oh, it felt like this was maybe, like, on the edge of really like it came out like the story came out two days before Game Informer's cover was going to hit, but not like you know a six months leak and like the game's derailed now. Yeah. Um, but to your point, the shoddy journalism comment. Someone was like, "Oh, he got all he got all heated and sort of said shoddy journalism. Like, what a dick." And I was like, "I don't know. I actually sort of don't disagree with him. Like, and, and here's why: because that game, like Dancefield Two, actually leaked in April. Like that game. I mean, the, the, the existence mm-hmm. of Borderlands Two, also like BT Dubs, like. Uh, Borderlands sold 4 million units. Like, of course there's a Borderlands <laughs> right. 2. Highly successful game has a sequel yeah. coming. <laughs> right, like, OMG, a game you like that everyone bought is going to be more games. Like, <laughs> all games, all time. It's not like Gearbox is not just, like, a random third-party publisher yeah. now. Like, they make yeah. really, really amazing games. So And Duke Nukem. And Duke Nukem. <laughs> Separate <laughs> issue. Well, that's what I said. They're not just publishing, like, right. resurrected 90s titles and Ninja Golf. I mean, like, right. you know, it's like, uh, they're... Ninja Golf. <laughs> Ninja Golf is coming back. The, uh... But I was going to say this about it, about Borderlands, Terrain's comment is that there was a resume that leaked in in April, and this happens all the time. And by the way, if you're a freelancer or a junior person in the video games industry, like, don't put unannounced titles on your stupid resume, you stupid. Like, it makes <laughs> people look at you and go, like, oh, are you working on this secret game? Like, we're definitely not going to hire you because you yeah. can't keep a secret. Um, but that happened in April, and people were like, oh, Borderlands 2 is coming. And again, like, the response from Gearbox, I believe, was, we haven't announced anything, we're glad you're excited. We love Borderlands. We've done a ton of DLC and supported it. Sold four million units. We're super proud of it. We're, we're glad people want to revisit the franchise. Uh, and they and they came back again and again with like these little blurbs. And the Eurogamer, the thing that pissed me off about the article that Eurogamer wrote, wasn't that it was bad journalism, but it was reporting no new information and confirming the story. Other than the Game Informer piece of it, which is news about news, which I always find sort of a little <laughs> navel, news, navel-gazing yeah. and a little like lame-tastic. But the... Uh, I guess my point is that, like, they cited the April resume, and they cited unnamed sources close to the studio, like, have confirmed that this is coming, and that's not really strong enough in my mind to run on, especially if they contacted them for comment and the, and the response was, hey, we didn't, we, we haven't announced anything, stay tuned, or, like, we have some news about Borderlands coming soon, but we haven't confirmed what it is. I mean, like... I don't know what the quote was, and I'm obviously not on the PR team at Gearbox yeah. that you know of. <laughs> uh, but it did seem sort of like a random thing to turn in this huge blown-up story. And yeah. my, my point when I was tweeting about it this morning was just like, I would just ignore it. Like, Kasson talked about Dan Zindral 2 
a year ago, much <laughs> right. to my dismay. He was like, <laughs> we're already looking at a sequel and what's going on? And again, like, of course we are because the game sold really well and people really liked it. So, of course, we're talking about a sequel. And the same with the Rock Band 3 wasn't like a huge surprise. Oh, uh, I don't know. Well, oh, I, maybe maybe like our perspective is skewed a little bit. I, I, would, I would say yeah. I'm going to make a, a bold claim. Put it out there. That as a company that has weekly DLC, yeah. we have enjoyed more leaks oh, God, than yes. any other studio. More leaks than a Swiss dam, yeah. Um, and, and at this point, like, weekly DLC or, like, album releases. Their dams are made of cheese? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's just poor engineering. <laughs> Um, like, title reveals or yeah. feature reveals. No, like, everything. I, we've learned the hard way. Everything has leaked, but at this point, like after years and years and years of this, I, I can't care anymore. No. <laughs> like it's it's hard to get so worked up about leaks because you have to kind of like remind yourself like it's going to come out anyway. Right. And everyone like even if everyone on our website learns about this leak, even if everyone figures it out, it's like a small percentage of our addressable market. Like it's sure. not going to spoil the game for ninety five percent of the people. It's not the ending it. of the game being. It's not the line. ending of the game, yeah. and it's not going to ruin everything. Like unless it's a major spoiler, yeah. which is something we don't have to worry about. Right, which is nice. Which is nice, thankfully. Did you so guys the, like quote unquote leak your own set list on a video? Well, we did or? leak the set list, <laughs> yeah, and then like... we quote unquote leak the set list <laughs> yeah. in response to us stupidly leaking the set list, <laughs> right? Uh, which was not entirely. Yeah. Most, so we've had to do like yeah. we've had to do like a lot of scrambling and a lot of recovery, but it's like that's the best thing you can do. Like it's not heart surgery. It's video there's games. Nothing like it's so serious that's leaked for us where it's like people are losing their jobs. Well, but let me play start bailing water out. Well, let me play devil's advocate and I I agree with you, but let me like let me flip the script on you, Aaron. Oh. <laughs> uh two things that that's not necessarily true. One is the Beatles game. Mm-hmm. We actually kept that secret. Like people did not yes. find out about the Beatles game till we announced it well, or till like the day before we announced it. Or until it. Danny Harrison told them. Well, Danny, yeah, but we managed to, like everything Danny has said, we managed to deny it, deny it, deny it, yes. that it ended up being true. Because uh, he's always telling the truth. Except anything he says from now on. Except that's not going to be true. Now he's whatever he says. And, and we have had many conversations about that, and I like Danny a lot. Um, but the uh, the Beatles rock band was overall pretty pretty yep. quiet until it came out. And Dan Central, because we were working on Connect and no one knew we were making a non-rock band game at that mm-hmm. point. We've been working on that game for 18 months, 20 months at that point. Yeah. We've cut some secrets. We've cut some secrets and we've done it well. DLC at this point, like, honestly, like, I don't want it to leak. And if you're, like, digging around in the back end of our website, just knock it off. <laughs> but the, but on the flip side, you know, Borderlands 2 and these sort of, like, I mean, we make AAA games that are different than those kind of AAA games, yeah. right? Like, this is a team, like, I'm sure that, like, I'm sure Grand Theft Auto Five will be announced sometime in the next year and a half, oh, right? Oh! Oh! You heard it here first. Great right. news. But, and I haven't seen it or I don't know anything about it because I know that Rockstar will literally murder me in my sleep if I did. But the, <laughs> you know, it's, like, that game is a game that'll probably have been in development for four years or for three years that when they even announce it. And so you want to, I mean, you want to do it right. Like, you want to queue up all your assets. You want to have it look good in the first yeah. reveal. You want it to be, like, not just the title. You want it to be, like, a nice thing. And I get that Randy's probably upset that, like, this weird, like, non-story with no official comment sort of scooped a lot of work that they've been doing. And it it undermines work you're doing. So you have to, like, let it roll off of you. But at the same time, like, it is a bigger investment than people give it credit for. Like, so whatever, it leaked out. Like, why is he all upset? And it's like, well, because I'm sure that he's been working with the publishing team. Is uh, is it 2K that publishes that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, For... You know, for three or four weeks, for three or four months yeah, to queue right. up everything. They and have it team... sucks to not see yeah. things go according to your plan. Right. But you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. No. Like, you just have to, like, roll with that and make a new There's only two F words when things get screwed up and it's fun and flexible. <laughs> <laughs> well, the interesting thing that I thought about this, this incident was uh, the article I read um, 
was from a journalist who seemed to take offense that the journalists are usually treated as marketing tools. So, like, for instance, it's a it's big for a game to get a cover on Game Informer. It's humongous. Yeah. Um, and this, this journalist that I was reading was arguing, like, yeah, but we're journalists. We should be able to report on this stuff, not be your marketing pawn. Uh, so Who was that's, saying that? Well, we don't want to name names. He's a journalist who put it on the internet. Say his uh, name. It's Ben Kuchera. Oh, was it? Yeah. Uh, All right. He also cited the Rock Band 3 Kitar leak well, right. in his article. But in ben, I mean, the case with Ben or the case with someone like Patrick is when they dig and they find something when Patrick, I think it was, was it Kotaku that found the Modern Warfare 3 leak and posted all that stuff, like from a source? Mm-hmm. All those assets. I feel like it ran on Kotaku. I don't know if it was where they found it. But that sort of stuff is like, that's journalism. It's not, or or that's more like that's like reporting. That's like investigative reporting, yeah. where you're getting a source and you're getting a story and you're breaking it. That's not how most of the time things work. And like right. video game journalism, for better or worse, is like pretty cooperative with the, with a small industry of, yeah. of like you know thirty or forty pretty decent sized companies that work pretty hard to give them the content they need to feed the fan base and the readership that they want. And it's it's great when that's a symbiotic and and cooperative relationship. If it's not. That happens too sometimes. Like sometimes we won't go to some outlets instead of others and we'll give a story to a friendly outlet like Game Informer with huge reach versus like a fan blog, right? Like it's yeah. just – that's just business. And like there is marketing involved in press. That's why a lot of companies have Marcom, like marketing communication teams and not just, you know, press teams. Like in the same way that our – everyone in this room right now is part of like a communications team that's not just doing press or community or marketing. We sort of – everything's sort of glommed together in this industry because the fan base is – Immediate and very passionate. So I don't know. I didn't read Ben's article. I would want to read it before I would say anything about yeah. it. But like, uh, I'm surprised to hear that Ben was on that side of it. I mean, I don't want the new. I don't want the reporters yeah, yeah. to be like a marketing tool either. But it's just right. like it's how journalism and, and PR schedules are. I think it's a very interesting topic. I think you should do a panel at PAX about it. Mm, I am doing a panel at PAX about it. That's what well, I thought. I'm sort of doing a panel at PAX about it. <laughs> uh, we're talking about I'm how sure to get, come how to get into video game journalism. It's me and Arnie from Naughty Dog and. Uh, Chris Kohler from Wired.com, and I believe one more person who is yet to be named. Uh, we, are, we have a draft pick later today. Draft. <laughs> uh, nice. And it's just, a, I mean, it's an interesting thing, right? Like, I'm not a trained publicist who came from a big agency or anything. Like, I'm just a dude who works at this company. Uh, and But most of the reporters I know are, like, good dudes. Ben's a good dude. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that uh, the European press is sometimes a little more challenging, but overall... I think it's oh, it's an interesting story. You're right, Pope. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm happy that Borderlands 2 is coming out like yeah. all over, and I think the reaction's been really positive. Right. I'm not sure how happy someone like Game Informer would be to have something they put that much time and art into to totally. get a cover, uh, be scooped. But then again, like I'm sure they'll have details about the game that aren't covered in the story of like this title is coming, which you probably already thought was coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not really the most in-depth article. Well, kind of kind of along those lines, like not to stick on this for too long when we have uh, other things on an agenda. Yeah, three more items we on the agenda. agenda for, three more. Uh, change. <laughs> Uh, but, like, with an eye towards uh, your panel about, like, how to get into gaming journalism, uh-huh. like, how do you how do you think having such a huge network of, I guess, like, fan-run, like, journalism sites, and that's, like... Enthusiasts. A, a, enthusiast press, yeah. yeah. Uh, that uh, that journalism site was in quotes that no one else could see. <laughs> uh, that's why I said enthusiasts into the and, funny like, accent. Like, and not to, not to devalue gaming journalism no. in any way, shape, or form, but there's very much, like professional games journalism and then there's like enthusiast journalism well and let's and let's fracture that even further right there's professional there's professional journalists or like people who've made this their life like professional writers yes Mm -hmm. and then there's reporters there are critics there are reviewers and there are feature writers and then there's yeah bloggers which is sort of like a fifth thing usually which falls somewhere in that four category of like they're they're either usually doing news reviews features or uh some sort of criticism uh and likely not the latter if they're bloggers um 
and that's the thing is like the enthusiast sites like don't necessarily fall within that realm. Like half the enthusiast sites we work with are like small people who really want to hustle and write. They love writing. They love yep. games. They're maybe doing some news coverage or they're reposting stories and putting their slant on it, adding some commentary. And those sites are great. The other half of the sites are people who just want free discs of games when they come out. And so they have a review site where they post like a paragraph. And I don't mean to devalue those people. Like they're probably really enthusiastic, hard, hardcore gamers, but they're not journalists. And they sometimes demand the same respect as journalists yeah. who have been working at this for 10 or 20 years. Like you talk about someone like Steven Totillo or Andy Mack at Game Informer or like, you know, what I mean, like these people who I. Uh, like Jeff Keeley, like these people who have like done a lot of work to get where they are and and really like have a reputation to maintain and they have a cooperative reputation with developers. It, it's it's sometimes hard to balance out. Like we go to PAX and like half the press list is like AAA amazing press. Uh, in the middle, there's like a ten percent that's like community driven professional press. Like you talk about a site like Destructoid or even Giant Bomb, where it's like there is news on that site, there are reviews on that site, there are features on that site. And then there's community, like even the Game Informer community blogs. Like there's people who are just enthusiastic about games and want to talk about them and comment and write their own posts. Mm-hmm. Those people are also in that top half of like the professional press for me. And like I, and that might not be true for every developer. Uh, and then there's the bottom 40, which is like, hi, I have a .com registry via GoDaddy and like I posted <laughs> twice in the past year, so let me jump to yeah. the front of the line to play Rock Band. And you're like, well, not like you're not good people or you're like a bad human being, but like you're just a fan of games and like I'm just a fan of games. When I go over to like the LA Noir booth at PAX East last year, like, I don't jump in line. Like, I wait in line like everybody else in my hour off from working our booth for 25 hours straight. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so let's all, like, realize that we can be a part of a community and have professional and non-professional people, uh, but all still enjoy it together. Yeah. And, like, having having those, uh, the more fan-run sites mm-hmm. seems like it's democratized gaming press in a really weird way. Yes. Uh, where there's a lot of people who think that they are press, uh, or but who don't, like... Not that there's, like, rules that you have to follow if you are press, um, but that there's, like, there's a lot of understanding and there's a lot of, like, working with press. Yeah. Um, kind of, like you said, to kind of, like, massage those stories to make sure that, like, it's mutually beneficial for right. for them and for us. They get more, you get what you, you know, you get what you set out to place. Yeah. But on the same, I mean, the thing that, so E3 is a great example of this, right? The ESA came back and said, hey, we're cutting back yeah. on the people we're letting in. And there was this outcry. It's like the chilling effect of keeping blogs out that aren't like a certain number of readers, aren't like a certain number of years. And there was like the idea of having to prove that you're a real press to get a press badge to E3 was like hard to control. But then like that barrier to entry was really, really questionable because you don't want to keep out up and coming people who are hustling and who are actually like really good. Like Mm -hmm. Alex Rubens is is a good example of that. He's like a a younger person who has just networked and, like, does it yeah. freelance work and is a really cool dude. He writes a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he I don't know if Yeah, he I've posted. seen him at a lot of events and stuff, and he's yeah. just doing a lot. And so he meets him. PR people, and he yeah. learns their names and, like, talks to them. And, like, he was a good example of someone who I thought hustled and, like, who may have been kept out because he wasn't a formal press person. Like, he wasn't working for CBS or for, you know, the Washington Post. Uh, not that those aren't valid outlets. Uh, but the, <laughs> but but you don't want to chill those people out. But at the same time, we also have a deluge of, like, we have 6,000 people cramming into our booth half of whom I can't even track coverage for because I don't know, like, their sites don't even, like, ping when I Google our game. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't mean that in a nasty way. I mean, like, I don't, I, it is a balancing act. And I think it's a really challenging balancing act to, like, how do you set those, like, the gaming poverty line uh, <laughs> of, like, who is above this line, who's below this line. And then when it comes to things like E3, uh, getting free access to things, getting early access to things, like, on some level, like you can make it a pretty easy claim of like, hey, if you don't have a dev kit, you're not really gaming press, which is hard, to, which is harsh. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's a harsh thing to say, and it doesn't count for PC games. But for console games, it's like if I can't send you a build to to look at to talk about for a story, 
or your outlet doesn't have one somewhere, like in some remote outlet, like it becomes harder to work with you. And then you're probably just a review site, which isn't to say you're not valid, but it's like different applications for different kinds of sites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is hard. People are people are good people, and we want to work with everybody. And it's just like bandwidth. Like we have, I'm the only press person working here right now, right? So it's like <laughs> I can't talk to 600 websites a day. And so you have to prioritize, and I hate to say that. It sounds really callous, but we'll see everyone on the floor at PAX, and we'll talk to everyone equally. Like, we're pretty equal opportunity to hang out people. Yeah. It sounds it's, – it's a really interesting thing. I do hope that, that people check out the panel at PAX. Like, I definitely want to hear how, uh, how things play out, um, especially because, like, it seems like more and more people are talking about gaming press now. Yeah. Like, there's a really weird kind of, like, ramp where there's all these awesome games, and people want to talk about all the games, and then the games all come out – and then there's maybe not as many games to talk about, but right. people mm-hmm. fill that time by talking about like gaming news or right. like gaming journalism. The feature uh, becomes about the medium and not about the, yes. the message. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting. I, I I don't know if the panel will touch on that a lot. I mean, like most of our panel last year was like, yeah, you may have to write for free and you may have to write community blogs or volunteer or intern somewhere to actually get credibility or write for a newspaper about not games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but moreover, like make sure you're a good writer. Like, a lot of the advice we have is like, hey, if you send me two writing samples, and I'm not an editor, right, so this is mostly Kohler talking. Uh, not that I ever want to quote Kohler, because <laughs> I hate him. Uh, which is why we're doing a panel for the third year in a row. But, the, uh, but you know, if you're going to write, like, be a good writer. Same thing we said about, like, resumes and cover letters. If you're going to apply for a job at a gaming company, like, tell us why you like gaming. Mm-hmm. Tell us why you like our games. Spell the name of our company Spell the name right. of our company right. <laughs> Don't address it to the wrong company. Don't have typos. And I understand that as I wrote three press releases this week that were all filled with typos, the team might be scaring it, like sort of staring at me like a crazy person. But uh, you know, like prove that you prove that you have the chops that you want, and then or don't complain like no one's gonna give me a chance. Yeah, seriously. Because I my byline's not even on this website that I put on here, and like I I actually copied and pasted this whole article from the press release. But whatever, I'm a writer, and you're like, all right, no, no. And Everyone... people really need to reprioritize. It's like write first and then play a lot of games because if you're, you're a crappy writer, like. You're not going to make it very far. Everybody wants to do that job, and if you can, like, set yourself apart and be a really good writer and, like, train. Like, I had a lot of internships in college. I wrote about games all through college for a college magazine, and then I worked for AbleGamers.com, and I contributed articles there for free and just got as much experience as I could and then eventually got into Game Informer. Which and you're part of a cultural so. discourse. Like, you're part of an editorial team, usually, where you're talking to other people about mm-hmm. games, so it's about, like... Also, be a decent person to talk yeah, to and hang out with. Just socialize <laughs> be and be nice. Person. Don't be a dick. <laughs> be a dick. <laughs> Everyone should also buy Summary. Kevin Fanning's Let's All Find Awesome Jobs. Yeah. Yeah. K-Fan, our former former recruiter. K-Fan on Twitter. At K-Fan. Yes. Plugs. Cool. Well, that wraps up uh, how, who is Annette Gonzalez. <laughs> who is Annette Gonzalez and why is gaming press? <laughs> also, I love reporters. Please don't be mad at me if I said your name. <laughs> They're not listening. We're going to bleep those all out. Um, So my next item on the agenda is uh, we're going to Gamescom next next week. So soon. Oh, God. Uh, So what what are the plans there, guys? What are we going to do at Gamescom? What is Gamescom? Really? Uh, Gamescom is far and away the biggest event that we attend all year. Population-wise. Population-wise. It is uh, located in Cologne, Germany. Cool. Uh, and I think last year attendance was like two hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, we were close like, on a quarter million people over. Four somewhere days. close to that, and something terrifying. like twenty-seven countries represented. Uh, it it is bananas. Like it's a half a dozen like airplane hangar-sized halls, just like packed with booths for every single thing. Everything feels like Maine, where it's like you can't get that from here. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. so far away. Yeah. Not well marked. 
egress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what is it? Uh, but it is. Uh, it, it's. It's sort of like a PAX it's, and an E3 yeah. rolled into one. It's all it's, it's fans, not specifically press and it's business, specifically too. fans. Um, Europeans have like a very very different approach to conventions mm-hmm. uh, than than Americans do. So it's not uncommon to see people like just sleeping on the floor. Just oh yeah, middle of the day, middle <laughs> of the event, just sleeping really? on the awesome. floor. Yeah, there's also lots of beer. I've heard that's yep. par- probably part of the sleeping. That might on the be floor. part. Of that might have contributed. Yeah. Um, so it's like super casual, but then also like alternately super frantic, where people want all of the swag. Uh, they love free yeah. stuff and sleeping, um, <laughs> and they can't ever decide which one they want more. Um, they try to combine the two, just like put the free stuff on them while they're sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's an especially it's a long event, like it's five days. It's five days. Like floor floor is open five days. Yeah, but like some of the days it's like twelve hours. Yeah, it's yeah. like full like right. nine to ten kind of days. Yeah, most of these. Conventions are like three days at most. Christine and Fish, who are very much a part of the team, are both looking like, I am sort of not unhappy that I'm not on the event side of this right now. It is awful. The most terrifying thing is, if so if you're working, if you're an exhibitor, you get in early, obviously. If you wait at the entrance to like just see the herd of people when they let them in, it is honestly terrifying. Yeah. 250,000 people... Waiting, it's like a, a Who show in the seventies, where yeah. people are getting trampled. When well, there's big stairways into the convention center, so they come in and they scan their badge and they wait to actually be let in the show floor. And there's a giant, like I'd say, eighty foot wide, multiple staircase staircase, and they all queue at the top of it. And then at some point, they release the ropes, and it's literally like the zombie horde yeah. liquid pours down. <laughs> and they just like run. And, and like one day, I was walking, we were walking, and we were late because we had been working for eighty Happens. hours and we were Happens. exhausted. Yeah. And so we were coming in like via a side entrance, and we like got into that hallway right before they let the ropes down. And Pope like turned his head to the right, and it was like, run! <laughs> and we just like took off. Into the, it was like an action movie, but it's except like the stampede yeah. in the Lion King. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it is really terrible. There, it's there, yeah. Uh, so it's a gaming event. That's yeah. what games is. <laughs> Com for game. Um, games. I think one of the more Com interesting convention. things about Gamescom, especially <laughs> as you've gone to a lot of conventions in the States, in Germany they have really strict uh, restrictions against violence. So basically every game that even has a gun is behind, their booths are walled off. Yeah. You can't actually yeah, see the, the games the from the floor. You have to stand in line wow. to get into a closed off booth. Which is really interesting and sort of weird. Meanwhile, we're next to Rise of Nightmares at Comic-Con. Yeah. And you see a dude, like, bludgeon somebody with a pipe and pull a key out of a bloody toilet. And we're, like, yeah. playing well, Dance Central four feet away with three-year-olds. Dance yeah. Central 2. Oh. Welcome to America. <laughs> right. right. else in Japan. Because that yeah. game's from Japan. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's a really interesting thing about it. And, like, yeah, it's... But there's this whole business portion. So there's, like, a, a mini convention. Secret conventions. But, again, with everyone has, like, their own booth slash business area. Yeah, so show. it's a big show. So it's basically where, like, European retail comes. There's two European retail events. Uh, well, there's three. One is Midem, which is in the south of France, where Aaron and I went to Cannes last year uh, and sort of hung out there. And that's, a, that's more of, like, a regional, like, South European sales show. So Italy, France, is Spain, that, Portugal. Midem or IDEF? IDEF, I'm sorry. Midem is the music conference. They're, they're like, a week apart. Uh, so IDEF, I'm sorry, in the south of France. Interactive Digital Entertainment Festival. Uh, and then the uh, Gamescom is the other sales events. And it also touches, by the way, GDC Europe. Yeah, right. So GDC Europe is in the same hall two days earlier. So it goes GDC, 
And then there's a little Venn diagram overlap of like business centers. So Microsoft, Sony, you know, everyone will set up a big business center, big publishers, and retailers from different. And there's like a million retailers in Europe. So it's not like the U.S. where it's, yeah. or even U.S. and Canada where it's like Best Buy, GameStop, Amazon, Walmart, Walmart Toys R Us. There's like seven or eight yeah, sort of and big that box stores. 90% yeah, of everything. And, and, yeah, and like it's other than like a few smaller things. Like that's pretty much who you need to talk to. Uh, there it's like, oh, you need to talk to that many people for Germany and then that many people for the UK and then that many people for Spain, even though you'll sell nowhere near that many units in Spain. Um, so they all come to the same place and you do meetings. So, and then journalists also come to those business centers and do, which is what I'll be doing at Gamescom. I'll be behind closed doors in a dark enclosed room with a t- an air conditioner <laughs> blaring, showing off features from DC2 while everyone else is on the floor trying to survive. It's like I'm in the dark horror game uh, where there's no lights trying to survive like a one-off like scary battle and you guys are like in a zombie game on the floor like trying to defend each other from – yeah, anyway. I'll get yeah. my chainsaw ready. Get sight. Both in different <laughs> horror games, which is kind yeah, of Yeah, and weird. they're probably about half an hour apart. They're in the same convention center and they oh, yeah. are connected oh, and yeah, they're, yeah. they're pretty close to each other, all things considered, and they're about a half an hour apart on foot. This is my yeah. first Gamescom, and I'm still really excited about it. Even Bring after comfortable all of this. shoes. Cologne is an awesome city. Like it that's is. the the saving grace is like after the show floor closes, we usually go out to like a really fun place for dinner. It's super old, like medieval era yeah, stuff. Medieval beer garden, beer gardens, schnitzels. Oh, you know where we should go? <laughs> we didn't go last time. Where? The blind restaurant. The blind restaurant. Uh, yeah. Oh, Again with this. Thing. So last year, let me just run this down <laughs> in case you guys don't know. So, um, my wife uh, came uh, last year and... Uh, babysat Daniel Sussman. Babysat, yeah. <laughs> yeah, RB3 project re- director Daniel Sussman. Baby Sussman. Um, baby Sussman, <laughs> as we call him. <laughs> He's sort of like a little baby. Um, so, she works with blind kids, and we found out about this restaurant where all the waiters and waitresses uh, are completely blind, and the restaurant is completely dark. Like, pitch black, you can't see anything. Uh, so that was intriguing. We decided to go, and it. She loved it. I was sort of scared half to death for half of the meal. And I went. Yeah, we went. Is after, after you left. Um, eventually, you adapt. But like, there's sort of, sort of like a decompression chamber before you go in. That's like low light, and the, the waiter prepares. He was like, "Okay, put your hand on my shoulder." Turns off the light, opens the door that goes into the main dining room, and you just. All you can use is your other senses. So, like, you hear, like, maybe there are 100 people in there. Maybe there are 20, and they're just really loud. They're all speaking foreign languages, so it's extra, like, an extra level of wow. of weirdness. Uh, yeah, and, and I'll be honest. Like, my initial reaction was terror. I was, like, squeezing Hannah's <laughs> shoulder, like, I don't know if I'm into this. And she's like, this is great. Uh, they lead you to a table. The, the, the waiter, like, basically takes your hand. And he, like, touches everything. Like, here's your silverware. Here's your plate. Here's your glass. And like, is he speaking English or German? He spoke English. Okay, he wasn't great with the English, which but is he did another. His best. Yeah. Um, and you, before you go in, you like order a meal, which is basically like you don't know exactly what it is. It's like I'll have the vegetarian meal, or I'll have the chicken meal, or I'll have the beef meal. Mm. And then they serve you multiple servings, and you basically sense it with all your non-visual senses. And it's actually a really cool idea. And your eyes never adjust. It's that dark in there. There were uh, there was a couple directly next to us that like, talked to us the whole time, which was also weird because you never see them. <laughs> it was a really kind of amazing experience. I would go again. But huh. I did want to admit that first I was terrified. So that's where we're going for dinner this year. <laughs> right. I would be really scared. Alexander yeah. Slewinski, hey, get bring, ready. He'd probably yeah. be into it. Bring he the video camera. <laughs> Night vision. We'll do a podcast from there. <laughs> Is that your hand on my leg? <laughs> 
Um, yeah. So Gamescom, it's gonna be crazy. Yeah. Maybe we'll have yes. a maybe we'll have some wrap up in the next podcast. Oh yeah, we should definitely wrap it up in the next <laughs> podcast. Uh, okay, next next segment. Um, we already sort of had a Drake's Corner. Yeah, I've been yelling. Yeah, but uh, yeah. you've been on the road a ton. I just didn't know. Did you want to run Drake's down? Corner to follow podcast? All right, yeah. Next time we do a podcast, we'll do a Drake's Corner. You should, uh, you should let Fish and Christine do the DLC. Yeah, I absolutely I was, was planning that because silent these poor people have not had a chance to talk this whole time. Uh, Fish and Christine, uh, what's, what's happening in DLC, really? You want to take Rock Band? Yeah, all right. Uh, so Rock Band DLC... We've got a three-pack from Fallout Boy with Dance Dance, uh, Sugar We're Going Down, and Thanks for the Memories. Thanks for the Memories. <laughs> I thought it was Thanks for the Mummers. Thanks for the Mummers. Like the Mummers dance, that uh, <laughs> 90s song. Little Affair. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. Uh, and Sugar We're Going Down has a uh, pro guitar upgrade. And then we've got Deep Purple's Child in Time. Yeah, people Fallout love Boys. the Deep Purple. Fallout Boy is also like a, a band that has done a ton, a ton with rock band on and off throughout the years. Was anyone else at the show with me in L.A. where they had the LED guitars? No. No. We like did a thing with them and we went out afterwards and they had a, like all their guitars were synced to uh, the same like light channel on the on their board, on their lighting board. And they all had LEDs built into them and they would all light up in sequence and like beat, like pulse of the beat while they were playing. That's yeah. awesome. Cool. They're, pretty, they're a smart band. I mean, for whatever you think of their music. And I, I enjoy the hooky, the hooky emo pop rock. I mean, they they still understand their lyrics. Are they still putting stuff out? Have they disbanded these days? Uh, Patrick Stump has a solo record yeah. right now, their lead singer. And their lead singer is pretty, he's pretty amazing. So, yeah. so Pete Wentz, from my understanding, writes all the lyrics and the band obviously writes together. But Patrick Stump, the lead singer, is like, I've seen him play keyboards, guitar, bass, drums, sing, like, really insanely high. Like, he's a, he's a good That's awesome. musician. One it seems like Wentz gets a lot of the, the spotlight. Where... And he's like the, te- he's the celebrity. He's, yeah. he's a good-looking fella. Was that the show in L.A. where he saved his life? No. Where, where was it a different his, show? Where he saved his life when he broke his leg, you mean? Uh, no, when he almost got run over by the stage fixture. Oh yeah, I pulled him back from being like a swinging a swinging cabinet that was going through, and I like yanked him back. And no, that was during the VMAs in 2010, 2009. Really? And he was gonna walk out into a hallway. And the VMAs in 2009, I believe, was they had this crazy modular stage. I was filming something with Taylor Swift and Tokyo Hotel, <laughs> and, and our stage area together? for this for this bit. Yeah, Tokyo they were playing Swift. playing together. And they're oh, I'm sorry, Miley Cyrus, Miley Cyrus, Miley and. Tokyo it doesn't make any more sure. sense. It doesn't matter. Uh, we were under the, the the only place they could film the spot was under the rafters for the stage. We were in this tiny little area, and P. Wentz was like hanging out and saying hi, and like saying hi to the Tokyo Hotel guys. And we were about to film this on air like live hit, and I was super nervous. And then they were bringing all these huge stage elements like down this little narrow corridor between the the two risers that people were sitting on. And they were pushing this huge thing through, and it like got away from them, started speeding off. And he like turned around, like on his BlackBerry, walking down the aisle. And I like grabbed him by the collar and yanked him back inside, as this thing like whooshed by his face. And he was like, "Oh, thanks." <laughs> and he just went on his way. But I mean, so that was my Pete Wentz talent story. I've seen him multiple times. I also tried to play rock band with him, rock band one with him at the Aganis Arena, like or not Aganis, out in out in Worcester, the Palladium. What's really? the big Centrum? the Palladium? The Centrum, the big one. No, they were playing DC a show, music. and we were trying to play backstage with them, and they were really good at the game. Hmm. And Pete Wentz did not want to play because Pete Wentz had broken his leg like three days before and was super not in a good mood. Yikes. How many? So then we also did that event at Carnegie Hall that he moderated. Yep. How many events have you done with Pete Wentz? Four or five. Jeez. You guys are like best friends now. I, he, we used to, he used to recognize me a little bit. Not like he didn't know my name. And he's like, oh, yeah, the rock band guy. Not, probably not anymore. I haven't seen him. It's because you're both from the Midwest. It's true. We're both from like the same area in the Midwest. Like he lived in Winneka. So, ah, uh, Winneka. 20 minutes away from my house. Anyway, P. Wentz, not a bad guy. Short, though. 
And then Angels and Kings, where you used to do rock band night, he owns that bar. Oh, that's in right. New York. I forgot all about it. Monthly Angels rock Kings, band really? nights in New York, where Rock Oof, Gamer, owns that? Rock Gamer progenitor yeah, uh, Miguel Molinera used to put up uh, rock band nights at Angels and Kings, and we used to sponsor them. And yeah, he was there a bunch of times. Cool. We were running long on this podcast. Fish, do we have any Dance Central DLC? Okay, yes, we have three tracks coming to Dance Central. It's a get pack. Every song has the word get. Get it. Get it. <laughs> oh, I get James it. Brown's get up. Yeah. Lloyd's get it shoddy. And yeah. Sean Paul's get busy. Yes. Ooh. All three of those Sean songs are Paul. unbelievable. Man, Sean Paul. That guy. Sean that Paul. guy owned the early Jamaican, 2000s. Jamaican dance hall star. He owns it. He's not, he's not gone now. And he's, I believe, actually not. I thought... He was Jamaican. He's uh, like American. He's no, he's from. I mean, he's from Jamaica, but Jamaican I think he's like crazy. He's like half <laughs> Chinese or yes, something. Like, something like yeah. a really cool mixture of, uh, of of person. He's got some good videos. I remember that yes. one where it's in the basement of like his mom and dad's house. Yes. And these little kids come down and they start dancing. Yeah. Oh. Get busy is not a bad video either. Go tune into that. Uh, and then yeah, get up. Parentheses, I feel like being a and parentheses sex machine. <laughs> it's better known as sex machine because it's literally like he just says get up over and over again and he says sex machine. Yeah. Such a that, great that's song. That's going to be so good. I actually haven't seen the uh, routine Choreo. for that. I have another. And I believe one of these songs features uh, the choreography that we auctioned off, the move name that we auctioned off at PAX Child Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. So cool. I will try to find out some more information for you about that. And, that's uh, awesome. I'll let you know maybe in the next podcast what happened there. Cool. Well, that's great. That's great. Next podcast in a couple weeks. That's so great. Um, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, this has been a very fun podcast. We'll I be, had fun. Yeah. So we'll be back uh, with another one in for, a little bit. For the Big 5-0. Big 5-0 is the next one. Milestone show. 50 yep. consecutive podcasts. 100 consecutive weeks. Right. That's thanks, to, thanks to gaming journalists everywhere. And thanks to, to yeah. listen. And thanks to Nick. Yes. Thanks, oh, Nick. God. Nick is the best. Yeah. First podcast. Don't don't start there because he wasn't on oh, yet. That's true. God, no. start, then it got so much better. Start at whichever one Nick was on. Start at around 48. Like, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's when we, yeah. we really hit our stride. I agree. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.